It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. All right, race fans, welcome back to this edition of Southern Race Week right here on your great racing station. It's another great racing week in the southeast and beyond. And I, William Barber, a.k.a. WB, and, of course, Alfie sitting high atop his pit box. We're going to give you up, get you up to speed on everything you need to know about the racing world and all the cool folks that we can introduce you to in the racing industry. Uh, Alfie, uh, it is, uh, look like Atlanta Motor Speedway is, uh, gotten away with getting the hall pass from mother nature for Saturday and Sunday's race. And this week on the show, you're going to catch up with, uh, none other than Doug Turnbull, who has a voice in the Atlanta uh, traffic world and in the Atlanta Motor Speedway world. That's correct. Doug Turnbull, he's going to be calling the action for the Performance Racing Network this weekend for the Folds of Honor QT 500 week. And of course, if you're listening to the radio show, that's going to be this weekend. If you're listening to the podcast version of the show, well, we just had our race weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Exactly. exactly. We're already gassed up and ready to go for the doubleheader weekend on Saturday, March 20th, and then the Folds of Honor QT 500 on Sunday, March 21st. And as we mentioned, Doug Turnbull from the Performance Racing Network, who will be on site uh, calling the action, will join us to talk a little bit about Atlanta Motor Speedway as, as far as the repaving situation. Every time we get to Atlanta, there's always the talk about, is this the year the track will be repaved? When are they going to do it? Is it going to happen? We'll get Doug's thoughts on uh, repaving Atlanta Motor Speedway. So that's going to be exciting to hear from him. Uh, PRN's going to be busy because they'll be in Atlanta this weekend. And then next weekend, they'll be at the Bristol Motor Speedway for the uh, dirt race. So we'll hear back-to-back uh, weeks of covering from Doug Rice and the entire crew over there of the uh, Performance Racing Network. We're not only talking about um, the racing action coming up, but talking to the drivers about who they are, what they are, and what makes them want to go 300-something miles an hour. So this week, Thanks to Food Depot Grocery Stores, a great sponsor of our show. I'm going to get a chance to catch up with NHRA drag racer of the Top Fuel Funny Car, J.R. Todd. Just coming off a win at the Gator Nationals, and we're going to talk with him about how cool that was. Now he has won all the four of the majors that the NHRA drag racing has and what he's looking for for the rest of the season. Plus, Alfie, you get to catch up with JoJo Wilkerson and some big things coming up her way, right? That's right. JoJo Wilkinson will be joining us. She's going to be telling us about what's been going on with her the last few weeks. She participated in the Alabama 200 and the Rattler race, so we'll talk to her about that. And she's got a big, big opportunity coming up next weekend, so very excited for her. She's going to be traveling out to the West Coast, Sacramento, California, in fact, for an opportunity to race. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up for her next weekend. So very excited to see uh, JoJo, front of the show, continuing to uh, gain respect and Hopefully make some moves soon to get into one of maybe the major NASCAR series soon. Got a lot of great things to talk about this week and a lot of ways you can get involved with the show with Southern Race Week on the Facebook page, of course, the Twitter at SRW Radio. And, of course, we want to hear from you. Somebody wants to reach out to us, what's that email address? It's srwradio at yahoo.com. Hi, this is Winston Kelly, the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, race fans, welcome back to this edition of Southern Race Week right here on your favorite radio station and your favorite podcast location, like on the iHeartRadio app. 
Yes, that way you can listen to the shows from the past, the present, and the hopefully the future one day if we can figure out how to do that. Of course, we'd need a car that could go real fast, and we'd probably need us a driver that could handle the pressure, the G-force, and everything else. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have found us someone who can make that happen. We just got to get him out of a funny car and get him in a DeLorean. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, J.R. Todd, NHRA driver winner and extraordinaire jr welcome to the show sir hey man thanks for having me on i don't know if i could uh follow up that intro that was pretty intense man but look i mean you know come on man i mean you win in the gator national yeah man uh the gators it's been at the top of my list of uh races that uh that i've wanted to win for a long time i mean anytime you think of the gator nationals you just think of you know legends like uh Don Garlett, uh, Don Perdome, and you know my boss Connie Coletta, they've all uh, you know done really well at that uh, that event. Just uh, a lot of legendary things have happened at that race. You know Kenny Bernstein being the uh, the first guy to ever go 300 miles an hour in drag racing happened there at that track. So to, to check that one off the list, that uh that was big for us. And like you said, it's one of the majors of our sport, and you know we've been lucky enough to uh, to win all the majors now that are left on the schedule. So that was a, the last one to check off, and a, a big one for sure. If y'all just join us here, we got uh, Jr. Todd who uh, just coming off a of win with the Gator Nationals, and and Jr. the um, you know the the wins because again we we'd like to try to you know this show's been around and we cover short track and 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 NASCAR for a hundred years and Indy cars and and it wasn't until about probably ten years ago that we really got knee deep into the world of drag racing, and it was after me spending some time with some of the some of you drag racers guys and gals and realizing that there's a lot more it's a lot harder work to win an ultimate to come out and be the winner for a drag racing series uh on a given weekend than just uh getting in the than what it looks like on tv to be honest with you because y'all have got so many rounds that you have to go through and so and tearing down the cars in between every round bro that's um that that's a, that's got to be you know kind of a a, a, a mind focusing type event every weekend and week out for you guys yeah you're absolutely right man you have to be uh perfect every time you drag that car to the starting line whether it's uh the team putting the car together back in the pits uh the crew chiefs making the tune-up calls or uh, you know the driver behind behind the wheel hitting the throttle it's just uh it takes a a lot of work a big group effort and you know said you cover short track racing and nascar racing and uh and things like that those guys you know they get a uh, a lot of laps to kind of make their cars better as the race goes on to where we don't have that luxury we have four rounds of competition on sunday and you know if it's not right first round while well, you're loading up and uh, heading back to the shop and getting ready for the next event so everything's got to be uh just right and uh when it's right it's uh it's an awesome feeling to uh, hold that trophy at the at the end of the day knowing that you uh you beat the best in drag racing for sure one of the things that we always like to do is we like to you know talk about the sponsors it's a, a group effort like i said you know we have a bunch of great sponsors with uh dhl toyota uh you know connie coletta with uh with his company coletta charters and and, and coletta air they do uh they do a lot for us so without them none of this would be possible jr todd everybody you know now knows that uh, gator nationals won all the majors per se what point in time in jr's life did he wake up and go you know what i think i want to drive like 360 miles or 380 miles an hour <laughs> i mean from the time i was born i would say i was pretty much born and raised around uh, the racetrack my dad raced dirt track motorcycles flat track and that's all i wanted to do when i was a kid just Ooh. watching him race and wanted to be like him but uh 
my parents, they had uh, other ideas and didn't think that was a, a safe route for me as a kid. So once NHRA came out the Junior Drag Racing League there at the end of uh, 1992, you know, I was 10 years old and we got a junior dragster. And uh, I remember going to the Spring Nationals in Columbus, Ohio. And the first time I saw and heard a, a top field dragster, I was hooked at that point watching guys like Don the Snake Prome and Connie mm-hmm. and Scott Collette. I just wanted to be like those guys. And yeah, I, the bug was uh, was planted then. So ever since then, I uh, this is what I've wanted to do. But you don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, as a kid, it's kind of like a kid playing peewee football that wants to make it to the NFL. Your chances are pretty pretty slim of that happening. So I've been pretty fortunate enough to uh, surround myself with uh, some really good people and just be in the right place at the right time. And uh, here we are driving a, a nitro funny car for a living going, you know, 3.8 seconds at 330 plus miles an hour and a thousand feet. It's an awesome way to make a living for sure. What has been your take on how NHRA has adjusted and how they're making adjustments uh, to get back, get the fans back in the stands? And do you look forward to the time we get back to a new norm of fans being able to get right up there and close and personal with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that uh, that's the main reason we had such a long break last season during the, uh, the pandemic was, you know, we had to have fans in the stands that's what sells our sport every ticket's a pit pass that's like uh you know going to an nfl game and be able to go into the uh the locker room yeah meet the the quarterback and you know all that stuff but you can't do that but that's what makes our sport unique is uh the accessibility to uh the the teams and the fans and the drivers and we got to have that if gainesville is a sign of things that come and you know the sport is definitely headed in a a good direction and it's uh, exciting having fans in the stands and uh you have to, it's one of those sports that you have to be there to experience. TV doesn't do it a lot of justice. You know, You're right. Fox, Fox does a great job covering. I mean, we had, uh, you know, great numbers after the Gainesville event. It was on uh, the Fox network, but you can't get the, the smell of the nitro methane and feel 11,000 horsepower and all that through your TV. So it's one of those things that you just have to come out and experience. And it definitely hits all your senses. And uh, for those first timers that come out, I mean, I've never seen one say they didn't like it and uh, that they're not coming back. They're usually hooked after that first time. Well, I'm looking at the schedule here and I do see some bright light in my life. April the 30th through May the 2nd, uh, the Southern Nationals. 40 years of NHRA racing at Atlanta Dragway. I'm excited about that, brother. Um, You know, racing in Atlanta, uh, specifically Dragway, that track, you're either, the track's either hot as heck and it's 250 degrees or you got clouds. I mean, (laughs) and your guys are constantly having to make adjustments in between those rounds. What is, is there a track of yours that, you know, you know, when you go to it, you just go, man, this one's going to be a handful, no matter what going to be a handful, but we're going to have fun. And are there are tracks that you just go, man, this one, I got this, man. I, this is, this is, this is our track. Are the tracks like that for you? Uh, you know, certain tracks we've uh, been pretty lucky, pretty fortunate to have success at that. You know, it goes back to the crew chiefs, Todd Smith and, uh, and John Oberhofer that they, you know, have kept good notes at. And usually the weather conditions are, are typically the same that time of year when we go to these races, but now with the pandemic and, you know, COVID, uh, it's kind of shuffled up the schedule a little bit. We're we're going to some of these races at uh, different times of the year that it's kind of like uh, you got to throw out that notebook and, and start fresh. But, yeah, there's certain tracks like Atlanta. You know, it's got some characteristics. It's, uh, it's pretty bumpy. I mean, you would think that all drag strips are, are pretty much the same, you know, two lanes or four lanes that are uh, straight and flat. But uh, they're each different, and Atlanta has, definitely has its own characteristics. And, when the sun gets on it and uh, the temperature goes up, it definitely makes it tricky to uh, to navigate that uh, that that track. But that's kind of you know 
goes back to the crew chiefs making those right tune-up decisions and uh, the driver doing whatever it takes to get it from point A to point B uh, in a reasonable amount of time. So I'm looking forward to getting there to Atlanta. I, it's one of those races that uh, I haven't won at, haven't had a lot of success at, but hopefully we can change that here in uh, 2021. All right. Well, let's uh, let's remind folks, uh, Jr. If uh, somebody wants to find out more about you, or 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 is there a social platform that you use that that we can point people to? What's the best way for people to to get to know a little bit about more about Jr. Todd? Yeah, I mean, you can check us out at uh, ColettaMotorsports.com. I'm usually pretty active on social media as well. On Instagram, it's J underscore R underscore Todd, and on uh, on Twitter, it's at Jr. Todd three seven three, and you know just. Search my name on uh, on Facebook. You can find me on there as well. So any any social media, usually just uh, punch in Jr. Todd, and you're 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 likely to find me on there. All right, then, brother. Well, listen, man, we sure do appreciate it. And just so you know, um, and and I can get you a list of drivers to uh, to verify this. Now, um, if you come on Southern Race Week, our radio show right here, the week before uh, Atlanta, your odds of winning are real, real good. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Are, I'm going to have to get with my uh, PR guy, Elon, and make that happen. Yeah, we are a lucky charm. In fact, uh, there's a few drivers that uh, believed in it so much there back uh, before COVID that um, I won't mention his name, but he's from Texas, and he won a championship. But, uh, like, he, he would – if it was a track that he didn't feel too good about, he'd call up and say, hey, WB, can I please be on Southern Race Week? Man, I want to win this weekend. So, <laughs> I think you know who I'm talking about. He's in the whole business. You know, so, yeah. yeah, man, whatever it takes. I'm, a, I'm on board with that. All right, man. Well, listen, JR, we sure do appreciate your time, man. And uh, good luck at the next race. And uh, we, we can't wait to uh, hopefully meet you and see you face-to-face uh, at Atlanta Dragway coming up uh, later on. But uh, good luck in the next couple of weeks for the different racing action that you got going on, man. We sure do appreciate you. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, seeing you guys soon. This is Tim Kuhn from MRN, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. And welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network itself. We're continuing with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. We appreciate you tuning in and listening in each week. And over the next couple of weeks... The gang over the Performance Racing Network are going to be extremely busy. They're going to be broadcasting this upcoming weekend from Atlanta Motor Speedway, March 20th and 21st. And then next weekend, the guys will be uh, will be broadcasting live from the Dirt Race at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. So very excited to hear from the Performance Racing Network over the next few weeks, bringing you uh, NASCAR Cup Series coverage. And one of the gentlemen you'll be hearing this weekend broadcasting as we'll be racing Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Folds of Honor QT500. Ladies and gentlemen, let's head on over to the Food Depot hotline and welcome in one of the many reporters you'll be hearing this week in Atlanta Motor Speedway with the Performance Racing Network coverage. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Mr. Doug Turnbull! <laughs> Woo. Uh, never, never get used to those, man. Listen, I'll tell you, that if that's probably what will get yelled at me if I break any of the uh, COVID protocols like in the garage area. <laughs> or anything like that it'll be like hey you give me your hard card and that's probably what that'll be 
Hey, uh, I'll tell you what, this weekend is going to be interesting in, in Atlanta. I know we're going to talk about Bristol, too, but, um, you know, we're, we're probably dealing with one of the last races on the old, the, or what is the current Atlanta Motor Speedway worn-out yes. paved surface. I think probably one of the last two races there, although that hasn't been announced. It just seems like things are pointing that way. And, and some of the COVID protocols for the, the people inside the sport are changing a little bit, too. They're not doing the temperature checks anymore. They're actually going to have some COVID-sniffing dogs for not every single fan at all. No, just for people that have to be uh, in, in certain access point so nascar is changing things up as the cdc protocols change and some of their statistics change so you know, as as we saw with the virus dating all the way back to a year ago last march when racing got put on hold we're just continuing to morph each and every week as we deal with the virus which is still going on by the way yeah it is crazy and it seems that this was the race the first one that got postponed on the schedule that started mm-hmm. closing down the, the world so now that we look back on it a year later doug because you were basically on scene you were there at the track when Probably everything went down. So from your perspective, now looking back at a year later, what are your thoughts as we get ready for this weekend? Well, my first thought is I was fortunate that I wasn't there. I was actually waiting because I just felt like as, as rapidly as the entire sports and, and well, really the entire world was changing that day, March the 13th of last year, when we saw the NBA season get put on hold, the NCAA get tournament get put on hold. There was rumors that the Homestead race was going to get canned because the, the mayor or some politicians in Miami didn't want that big crowd there. I knew that it, things were going to change in Atlanta, so I waited and waited Friday morning to to see if I needed to drive an hour south of where I live, just about to even go there and turn around. And right as I fired up my car, sure enough, that we got the text message, yeah, we're done. So, or for a while anyway. And then being there in June, of course, with no fans, although it was very convenient getting in and out of the track, it's hard to look past that. It was it was just eerie, and the drivers I've talked to uh, in the recent uh, times that. Chase Briscoe and Brandon Jones and a few of them, they've all mentioned how weird it is to be out there without fans and how they're glad to have it back. AMS this weekend, as I'm sure you've been mentioning, has I think it's about 35% grandstand capacity for Sunday, and the Folds of Honor Quitcher 500 is sold out. Uh, so that's going to be, you know, that's going to be something to definitely uh, look forward to with fans in the stands. Now, I spoke to Chase Elliott before the season started. And speaking of the repaving, you brought that up earlier as we kind of opened up this conversation. Um, Chase said that he was against paving. And now he feels that after he's had a few races there that he feels that the track is is ready for repaving. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's been over, I think, two decades since the last time the track has been repaved. What yep. are your thoughts or maybe what have you heard from drivers over the years as far as uh, repaving goes? <laughs> well, when I first started covering the sport in 2004, when I and I went to my first race in person there in 2002, that it, it was the fastest track in NASCAR because it has such high banking, and it was an even in a way it was even faster when the uh, when well no it became the fastest because it has the big D-shaped triangle there, but the pavement was a little bit newer and the cars had a lot of grip and they could run wide open and qualifying, and, and, and then during the race, you would see tire fall off, and then it became really a finesse kind of racetrack, and as, as the speeds went down a little bit, the tires wore off so much, and that was probably the sweet spot, right, 2004, 5, 6, around there, and then, and then I, and I think drivers still really enjoyed it uh, over the last 10 years, the next 10 years after it, but in the last few, I think as the cars have changed and, and there's a lot less throttle response and also just as drivers have figured out that once you figure out the one group that works the best for you and wears your tires the least, you kind of stay there and it's not as multi-groove as it used to be. I think that's changed the sentiment for being, oh, it's a wide open fun track. I can run anywhere I want to, okay, maybe it's run past its prime. And of course, the, and, and the, the track officials all say, look, yeah, it's, it's about time. The, 
the thing that that needs to be done right is repave it in a way where the pavement could break in and there could be multiple grooves. We don't have two, three, four years of just wearing out the bottom lane and you don't need PJ one either. It would be nice if there, I don't know what that answer is. I'm not the paving guy, but uh, that I definitely think it's about that time. Speaking with Doug Turnbull here, the performance racing network, as we get set for racing this weekend at Atlanta motor speedway, but next weekend, the performance racing network will be at Bristol motor speedway, which is, as we said, not that far away from where we're getting there. And this is going to be a very interesting race. We've never seen the cup series on dirt, at least in my lifetime, your lifetime has been a long time. So not over 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as a fan, what are your most anxious and curious about seeing what happens next weekend? Well, I, I think it's interesting that Kyle Larson has said, yeah, and immediately go, oh, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, they're the big favorite. But Kyle Larson and Bell have said that just by the dynamic of stock cars being on dirt, they have less of an advantage than if they were racing the kind of cars they came up driving in and still driving in their free time on dirt against the other drivers. It's not going to be how fast, you know, how fast can you completely go and run wide open and, and run the fence. You know, I, I think with these heavy cars, it may be who could just make them handle the best. They don't know how the tires are going to wear. So but it's going to be easy to point at the people with a dirt background and automatically give them the advantage. But Larson, he, Larson may be also getting, you know, he may be playing mind games by saying that. But I just don't think it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to take as much finesse as you think. Uh, because the the cars are going to be a lot slower with a big NASCAR 3,000-plus-pound stock car than it would be with a sprint car. Uh, the dirt late models are racing up there this weekend. I think it's World of Outlaws late models, and some cup drivers, including Kyle Busch, Corey LaJoy, are up running in that. We see Brad Keselowski come here to Middle Georgia to Cochrane Speedway and run and to try to get some dirt laps in. Joey Logano said he's been out in a dirt mode modified recently. So uh, all these drivers are forced to get out of their comfort zone really uh, this dirt deal is kind of what road racing felt like to cup drivers back in the 1990s when yep. you only had two, you know, and that's, uh, so I don't know what to expect. I just hope that the track surface stays moist enough. And I hope that they, the cars are able to pass enough to put on a good show, but just because it's odd, it's going to be a cool show. Now, do you think this will be a one and done experiment or do you think this might be the possibility of something they might continue if not every year and maybe every uh, few years? I think that it's not going to – I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure to do it because it came from TV. The biggest sponsor in the sport is TV, right? Yep. It came from TV, the pressure for Fox to do this. So they, they, if they generate enough buzz from it, that, that the buzz is still there afterwards, they're going to want to keep doing it. I will say that I hope that the entire sport is open-minded either way. And if it really is a dud, which I'm not saying it's going to be, but if it is one, then they'll, then they'll be willing to step away and say, hey, that was great. Well, we'll try something else. I do wonder, though, what this means. I do wonder what this means for trying to add bona fide dirt tracks to the schedule later on as they continue to rearrange the schedule. Uh, Mr. Turnbull, if our listeners want to keep up with you on social media as you deliver a lot of great NASCAR news, uh, where can they go to follow you, my friend? Yeah, I'm on all the. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just find Doug Turnbull, like a left turn to male cow. T U R N B U L L, and I should be one of those that pops up for you. All right. Well, thank you a lot, Mr. Doug Turnbull. Appreciate you, sir. And we'll talk to you again down the road, my friend. Hey, you got it, Alfred. Thanks for having me on. Hi, this is Greg Walter, general manager of the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie yet again bringing you another brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. We're going to focus on the world of the short track world as we've got a very special guest on the Food Depot Hotline, a friend of the show checking in from Hueytown, Alabama. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the lovely Miss JoJo 
Wilkinson! Woo! JoJo, thank you so much for taking time on your busy schedule to join us this week on Southern Street Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. It's not pretty outside, but I'm having a good day. <laughs> Let me ask you, how is it for you juggling everything you do? You seem you're always on the go. Do you ever have time to relax and rest? Yes, sir, I do. Um, on Sunday is the only day that I really have time to rest and get caught back up on laundry and do some at-home stuff. But, yeah, my schedule is very busy, always doing something every hour of every single day. That's just how I was born. That's how I was raised. So I've gotten used to it. You have been a very busy lady. You were just a few weeks ago uh, competing in the Alabama 200. And coming up soon here, you got another big opportunity coming up for you. But first, let, let's look back uh, for you at the Alabama 200. I know it probably wasn't the, the weekend you were kind of hoping for. But tell us about your experience there at the Alabama 200 a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of hard talking about running bad. But we go down there to win. And we are a small budget race team, so whenever we go down there, we have to work our butt off to be able to compete with the guys that we compete against. And um, we had a really fast hot rod, and it was just not our weekend. We just had some bad luck, and it seems like the luck is the bad luck is just following us through the season right now. Um, we just got back home from the Rattler, and we ended up getting wrecked on lap eight of a 125 lap race. Somebody was a little impatient and just wanted to start moving up the field and moving people around, which caused us to have a whole roll of duct tape on our car. But we still ended up finishing P11, but we go down there to win and run top three and run with the best of the best. And just sometimes you don't have those weekends. You just have bad luck, and I hope to get this bad luck under my belt, and hopefully we'll start running good here soon. Now, when you deal in a situation like that where someone's getting a little too aggressive early on in the race, uh, how do you deal with that? Uh, uh, you know, with any other athlete or driver, I'm sure it's frustrating. You want to kind of get those aggressions out, I'm sure, a little bit. But how, how do you handle that? Like I said, you got to earn respect. <laughs> right. And since I am a girl driver, it's kind of harder for me to earn respect on the racetrack. But um, you leave it all on the racetrack. You don't get off the racetrack and be like, hey, why'd you do that to me? And start messaging them and posting stuff on Facebook. you got to keep it to yourself and keep it on the racetrack. But I've never been the type to, hey, you wrecked me, I'm going to wreck you back or even go door you under caution. That's just not who I am because I take pride in my race car and the stuff that I've got because me and my dad and our team has worked very, very hard for the car that we've got. And we spent so much money on our stuff and we have to take pride in that and we have to respect that um so there's nothing i really do yeah i get mad and upset and frustrated because down at the rattler we had a p5 car and i kind of sucked it up in qualifying i qualified 12th but all day in practice we were p5 p5 and then one time we were at the top of the board and then of course everybody else starts making their mock runs and then we ended up p5 again so we had a very fast hot rod. It kind of sucks whenever people do that to you on lap eight. Speaking with short track driver here, JoJo Wilkinson, and I got to disagree with you. I, I think you've garnered a lot of respect uh, in this sport. In fact, we know that for a fact because you got a big, big opportunity coming up for you. So tell our listeners a little bit about what you got coming up here the weekend of March 27th and 28th. Yes, sir. So Bill McAnally, he's been a um, big supporter of mine for a very long time now. Um, I think it was 
last year at the Snowball Derby that he reached out to me and my dad, and he just he loved me and he liked the way that I drove and he liked the way that um, I went a, I went around myself at the Derby and he gave me the opportunity to come up and drive for the BMR Academy. I went up there and we did a little test weekend with all the drivers and we got to learn a lot. We got to hear a bunch of people speak and even um, other NASCAR drivers like Garrett Cross and um, we had a we had a bunch of coaches there but um, I'm going up there next weekend to actually race and if up in Sacramento, California. And if we can, we would like to run all of the races or at least a few of them. But as of right now, I'm only running one because that's all that we can really do. But at, la- or at race 14, whoever the points leader is gets the ride in ARCA. So we need to at least run at least 14 races or 12 or that kind of number. Because I want to make it to ARCA and NASCAR and Xfinity or trucks, whatever it may be. But with the low-budget race team that we are, we just can't really do that. So we have to work 10 times harder than other people, and it shows. I work very hard, and I take pride in my stuff. And I'm just very grateful for this opportunity that Bill McAnally is giving me because most car owners wouldn't do that, or most team owners wouldn't just say, hey, I really like you. Can you come drive for me? a couple of weekends without the money. And obviously that's a big deal in, in, in racing is having that uh, sponsorship dollars. And I'm sure you're out there looking for sponsorship dollars. So if there's anyone listening who might want to sponsor you, help you out, is there a way they can get in touch with you? Or can they go to a website to get information about that? Yes, sir. We have a Facebook page, Joe Lynn, JoJo Wilkinson, and then a Twitter, of course, and my Instagram. But we have an email and a website now that's soon coming out. But email is Wilkinson 59 at gmail.com. I answer those daily because of school, of course, but I look at them daily. We just need all the help that we can get. We don't want to beg anybody, but just anybody that would like to help and come on board would always be the best thing, and I would be so grateful and thankful for that. Now, uh, you'll be racing, as we mentioned, uh, the weekend of March 27th and 28th. Hey, this is Brandon Jones, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. It's been another great uh, show, and I do appreciate your time uh, for stopping by and, uh, and and producing this show, man, because, you know, I know that there's I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of radio uh, and podcast uh, people that, that vie for your attention all day long, so I appreciate everything you do, brother. Well, I'm a little UWB, and as you mentioned, the podcast, I'll have that up for you every Monday, William, and I know you've been checking out the podcast, listening to it as well, and uh, and all the great listeners are getting some great compliments, and, and, and we really appreciate everyone going out, checking it out, subscribing, uh, all of that. Our locations, if you want to check out the podcast, which is available for you, as I said, every Monday on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud, William, so you can go there to get all the podcasts from Season 2 and also everything we've got from Season 1 of the Southern Race Week podcast. Now, Southern Race Week, we've been doing this show for a long, long time, folks. So don't think that when we say season two that we mean that we've only been doing this show for two years. Here on Southern Race Week, Alfie does a great job and has a great connection with a lot of the NASCAR teams. So big names in NASCAR, big names in NHRA, 
big names in every type of racing action, short track, super speedways. It doesn't matter. We got it for you right here. And Alfie does a great job of producing it. Don't forget now, if you'd like to find us on the social platforms, you can find us on facebook.com slash Southern race week. You can find me at WB radio network on Twitter, Alfie at Alfie underscore 19 on Twitter. And of course, Southern race week at SRW radio on Twitter as well. Along with, you can find me on Instagram at William Barber. And then of course you can find me on any holiday or any Saturday that there's not a race near somewhere in the Southeast at my favorite water hole on Saturday or Sunday, waiting on Alfie to move back to the South side of Atlanta. Yeah. Well, it's not going to happen anytime soon, buddy, but uh, thanks to our great guests as well. We want to thank uh, Doug Turnbull, the performance racing network, J.R. Todd, and of course, uh, Jojo Wilkinson for joining us this week, Mr. Barber. Until next week, I'm William Barber, a.k.a. WB, your friend, your pal, and this is Alfie. Until next week, y'all have a great one. We'll see you.